Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. President Biden has authorized the deployment of hundreds of American special operations forces to Somalia. This move largely reverses the decision by President Trump late in his presidency to withdraw most of the about 700 American troops that were stationed there. The Biden administration says it is now redeploying troops to Somalia primarily to train and assist Somali forces in their fight against al-Shabaab, the al-Qaeda-affiliated insurgent group that has been a persistent threat to the Somali government for many years. According to the New York Times, which broke this story, President Biden has also authorized a Pentagon plan to step up airstrikes against al-Shabaab leadership. This increased U.S. military engagement in Somalia comes at a time of transition in Somalia. After years of political wrangling, Somalia's parliament has elected a new president, Hassan Sheikh Mohammed, who took office on May 15th. Meanwhile, the African Union's about 20,000-strong peacekeeping force in Somalia is beginning a process of winding down. My guest today, Harun Maruf, is a veteran journalist and editor at VOA Somali Service. I kick off by asking him how news of increased U.S. military involvement in Somalia is being received in Mogadishu and beyond. We then have an extended conversation about the security situation in Somalia today. Today's episode is produced in part through the support of the Carnegie Corporation of New York and is part of a series of episodes featuring African experts discussing peace and security issues in Africa. Do visit our archives on globaldispatchespodcast.com to peruse other episodes that are part of that series. All right, now here is my conversation with Harun Maruf, editor at VOA Somali Service. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. How is the decision by the Biden administration to redeploy troops to Somalia, uh, how is that being greeted by your sources, people you're speaking with in Somalia? Uh, first of all, the new president of Somalia, Hassan Sheikh Mohammed, has welcomed it officially. He also went further. He wants the United States to resume airstrikes against al-Shabaab. Uh, the airstrikes never stopped officially, but they have subsided since President Biden came to power. Uh, during the time of President Trump, there were a high number of uh, airstrikes against Al-Shabaab, but those airstrikes were targeting 
more of a foot soldier is on uh, low level al-shabaab operatives who are bringing explosives into the urban areas. Uh, this new president said that he wants to see uh, more targeting of al-shabaab leaders. And I presumably where he's coming from is that uh, since they are the decision makers, they're going to feel the pressure and he wants them to uh, feel that they are targeted in the same way that gun officials, uh, key figures, civil society activists, and ordinary Somalis have been targeted by al-shabaab for a long time. Uh, generally, the population have uh, welcomed it that the United States is going to send its forces back, uh, primarily because Somalia is in the process of rebuilding its national army. And uh, the United States have been uh, training an elite Somali unit called DANAP, uh, which means uh, lightning. And they wanted that unit to become the brand for the rebuilding of the Somali army. They've been very Mm. effective. Uh, this unit has been very effective in fighting al-Shabaab. Uh, they have been, ma- majority of the time, most of the time, they have been, they have not been involved in the political wrangling and the disputes between the clans and the politicians. And uh, many Somalis believe this force can be the basis for uh, for the rebuilding of the Somali army. And the future of securing Somalia really relies on with the Somalis. And if Somalis want to restore security in their country, then they have to invest in security branches, in particular the army. That's interesting. So the primary role of the U.S. forces that are being deployed to Somalia will be to build up and train, or I should say perhaps increase the pace of training for this Danab force, which as you say, is seen as not a deeply political actor in Somali politics as perhaps other armed forces in Somalia are. This is like a special unit, a special forces unit that's seen as being perhaps either more legitimate or otherwise more widely respected. That is correct. The term the United States uses to describe its presence in Somalia for its troops is to advise and assist Somali forces. So that's the terminology they have been using. Uh, they have been training Somali special forces uh, since 2013. That's when the first unit of Danab uh, started uh, tr- training with the U.S. special forces. Um, and since then, uh, they have increased that number uh, to seven units. Uh, so the number is estimated to be closer to 2,000 mil- special uh, elite unit within the Somali force. And they wanted to increase that, uh, uh, presumably, uh, to about 4,000, which will be uh, the uh, the most uh, elite, well-trained, well-equipped force within the Somali National Army. In general, according to the national security structure, which was set up by the Somali government and with the help of international community, Somalia wants to have at least 22,000 forces, including 4,000 special forces. So these special forces are 
uh, are being collected, recruited from throughout the regions, across clan lines. So that's why it's important uh, for the government and international partners who are helping Somalia to see them as the most legitimate, uh, most capable force. And that's where the government really wants to go. Uh, it wants to integrate Somali security forces and it wants to bring forces from the regions so that the national army can reflect the nation and, and the different regions and, and the different communities in the country. Uh, and I was also struck by how you described how the new government, uh, the, the new president of Hassan Sheikh uh, Mohammed, coming into office is also welcoming an increased pace of U.S. airstrikes against al-Shabaab leaders. And the way you described how they are seeing these airstrikes was just fascinating to me. As, as you said it, you know, al-Shabaab has been targeting uh, civil society leaders, political leaders for a very long time. And it almost sounds as if uh, they want to give al-Shabaab sort of like a taste of their own medicine, like this is retributive in a way. Uh, that, that is correct. Uh, if you remember, go back a few years back, before Trump came to power, uh, there was Obama, President Obama, and Hassan Sheikh Mohammed, the current president, was the president of Somalia at the time. And uh, he came to Washington, and the United States uh, uh, increased targeted attacks of al-Shabaab leaders. And for instance, in one strike on September 1st, 2014, uh, the United States uh, targeted and killed uh, the leader of Al-Shabaab, the most important leader probably Al-Shabaab ever had, uh, Ahmed Abdi Goudani. He is a co-founder of the organization and he set up all the structure for the Al-Shabaab we know today. He was a formidable uh, leader. So he was taken out. Uh, the United States airstrikes also took out a number of key individuals including the head of the external uh, unit of Al-Shabaab that was in charge of attacks outside Somalia by Al-Shabaab. You know, Al-Shabaab carried out attacks in Kenya twice, uh, in Kampala, uh, in Djibouti, and they have tried very nearly succeeded to carry out an attack in Ethiopia. Uh, Al-Shabaab has also expressed interest to attack other areas outside Somalia. Uh, including the United States. So uh, that, that individual was taken out. A number of other key individuals uh, were eliminated as a result of his airstrikes. And perhaps, the, I cannot speak for him, the new president, perhaps he wants a repeat of what was taking place when he was the president of Somalia. And uh, what we have seen is that um, Al-Shabaab has been carrying out carefully planned complex attacks against military bases of the Somali National Army and the African Union forces. And some of these attacks were deadly. For instance, January 2015 attack on a Kenyan military base in the town called El Ade in southern Somalia. Uh, it's believed that, alone, that attack alone, uh, about 140 Kenyan troops were killed. Kenya never confirmed it officially, but it never disputed it either. Uh, in another attack uh, in 2015, 
Al-Shabaab also killed Burundian forces uh, in a town called Lego in the southwestern state of the country. And most recently, earlier this month, on May 3rd, Al-Shabaab also carried out another major attack on a Burundian military base in Middle Shabelle region, killing 30 Burundian peacekeepers. So when Al-Shabaab is carrying out these attacks, they mobilize a large number of militias in order to overwhelm African Union forces and Somali government forces when they're carrying out these attacks. And this mobilization takes days and weeks. If U.S. drones and spionage drones are over the air in Somalia, analysts believe it would have been difficult for Al-Shabaab to mobilize this kind of large-scale attacks. And that's why also partially, I believe, the Somali government wants uh, drone is to be in the skies. As you say, it's been through three U.S. presidents now that the United States has adopted a sort of military first approach to the Al-Shabaab challenge in Somalia. But as you describe, you know, it doesn't sound like there is a lot to, to show for it. I mean, despite policies across several U.S. presidents on airstrikes and uh, U.S. troops on the ground in, in Somalia, there does not seem to have been like a meaningful impact. Al-Shabaab still remains a deeply urgent threat in the country. Are there segments of analysts or people you talk to, you've interviewed, who fear that continuing to rely on like a military first strategy um, perhaps undermines other potential strategies that might be more successful for dealing with this insurgency? Are there sort of debates like that ongoing in the Somali policy community? Yes, there are very strong debates uh, around that. Uh, there are a number of increasing number of Somalis who are suggesting that, that it's time for negotiation, who believe that airstrikes and military approach to this conflict, it's not going to succeed. Al-Shabaab has been fighting against Somali government forces and AU forces for 15 years now. Al-Shabaab outlasted four presidents, including the current president when he was in his first term. And uh, th that um, feeling on the ground for an alternative approach to the current situation is there. And U.S. officials, I believe, I don't speak for them, but I believe they would admit that airstrikes alone are not going to be the solution. But Al-Shabaab has never expressed an interest to intermediations with the Somali government, uh, despite the government offering amnesty to Al-Shabaab members uh, if they surrender or uh, collaborate, work with the government, that asking, asking them, offering them to, to take advantage of this amnesty. A number of Al-Shabaab figures did take advantage of it, but the leadership has... Uh, has, has not so far. And as you rightly said, number of individuals were killed by airstrikes, but the Shabab leadership remains intact. Their influence and power is present. They're still very uh, potent threat to the government's existence and 
to uh, Somali to, to the return of civil order in, in Somalia. That argument is there, uh, but I think eventually uh, to remove or degrade Al Shabaab is going to reach is going to need a multi-faceted approach, a military. Approach is just going to be one component of it. Uh, Somalia is going to need uh, ideologically also to weaken al-Shabaab. Uh, Somalia also is going to need to uh, address the issue of finance because al-Shabaab easily collects a large amount of money, millions of dollars from businesses uh, and wealthy Somalis uh, every year. Um, al-Shabaab is also part of the society uh, there are a number of foreigners within Al-Shabaab, but majority of them are Somalis. Certainly, uh, you can't wipe them off. That, that's never going to happen. So there has to be an alternative solution. And primarily, before we get to negotiation, certainly Al-Shabaab is a very ideologically driven organization. Uh, you're going to have to see Al-Shabaab members discussing uh, the possibility of negotiations who have got a tolerance for negotiation, who are entertaining the idea. There is no such debate within Al-Shabaab. Uh, you don't see that kind of uh, engagement or patience for that kind of a different opinion within Al-Shabaab. Al-Shabaab leaders are very much together and they're very much against any kind of negotiations against government. There was only one time in 2018, when Al-Shabaab leaders publicly uh, spoke about how they see negotiation. And at that time, their spokesman, their spokesman uh, described negotiation as a tool aimed at uh, fragmenting the Mujahideen, quote-unquote. Mm. Uh, that, that's how they put it. So they're very suspicious of opening negotiations. They believe they're going to, it's going to be the end of the organization if they Open or start negotiations. The new president, Hassan Sheikh Mohammed, was elected, and this decision by the Biden administration to uh, redeploy troops to Somalia. These events coincide with a transition uh, that's happening within the African Union force in Somalia. The African Union mission in Somalia, uh, AMISOM, is is changing has changed into. I believe it's called ATMIS, the African Union Transitional Mission in Somalia. How is the transition in the African Union mission impacting security in Somalia today? Um, the transition started just last month in April, so it's still in its early stage. Uh, the transition will see the withdrawal of AU forces gradually um, by the end of uh, 2024. And Somali government, that is the government that just left the power, has committed to Somali security forces taking responsibility uh, of the security by the end of 2023. I don't know if Somali uh, authorities can meet that deadline, but that is the plan. Um, but the background to this is that Amisom, now Atmis, has been in Somalia for more than 15 years. Um, and during this time, they have partially succeeded 
one of, in one of their mandates, which is to protect the Somali government and give the Somali authorities a space uh, to operate and allow for rebuilding of national institutions. They have done that. What they have not achieved was uh, to help build Somali National Army and expand government authority to throughout the country and remove or take over the entire country and put it under the control of the government. That has not happened. The criticism from the Somali authorities and ordinary Somalis was that uh, army some forces have been in their barracks and uh, they have not been carrying out any attacks or fighting alongside Somali forces in order to expand the authority of the government and to fight Al-Shabaab. That has partially been true, but uh, Amisom only has about 22,000 troops. Now that number has fallen to under 20,000. And Somalia is a big country. Uh, for 22,000 troops to take throughout the country and fight Al-Shabaab and uh, recover all the areas and deploy troops and hold all the areas recovered from Al-Shabaab is going to take a large number of troops, maybe three times that number. So it was unrealistic expectation on them to achieve that. Uh, nonetheless, it was also the responsibility of the Somalis to immediately train a viable army that can take these areas from Al-Shabaab with the help of Amsom and Somalis have not done that partially because of political disputes and uh, elections, and there was so much time and energy spent on political disputes and disputes between the federal government and regions, and this has distracted, uh, disrupted all the process really to build a viable army in order to take over the entire country. And if this president, uh, Hassan Shaddam Mahmoud Khan, avoid that political dispute and focus on uh, one or two areas, in particular security, building national army um, and expanding the authorities, uh, the area the government controls. Maybe Somalia in four years' time when his mandate expires uh, can organize free elections in the country and maybe Al-Shabaab will be in a weaker position. But that is the challenge on him, and he has to prove he can do that. So that leads me to my last question. In the coming months, are there any indicators that you'll be looking towards that will suggest to you whether or not the new president is indeed making progress on the security front in Somalia? Um, the president is in the process of taking over office. Uh, there has been no uh, official transfer of, of power yet. Uh, so he's into office. He's, this is his first week. Uh, but uh, Somalis believe that uh, he has been preparing himself for this position again. He has been campaigning for a long time. He has already been there. He knows the tasks that are ahead of him. He's not this position is not new to him. Uh, the expectation is that he will have learned from his mistakes four years ago. Uh, many people accuse him for not focusing on Al-Shabaab or not giving them the, the level of concentration and the focus that 
this security issue required. Um, he was credited for um, establishing four out of the five regional states that are functioning today. So in terms of uh, building institutions, he was given a lot of credit. But in terms of fighting al-Shabaab, that's where uh, the blame uh, lies by, by most of the observers. Is he going to learn from that and um, face head on this issue aggressively? Uh, he indicated that. We interviewed him uh, on Wednesday and he told us that he really wants to uh, focus on security, uh, economic recovery and political stability in the first 100 days of his administration. That doesn't mean he's going to restore stability and political stability and get rid of al-Shabaab within 100, 100 days. But he said he's going to lay the foundation in achieving these objectives. Uh, so it's a positive thing that he's already identified security as the number one priority. That's the first issue he mentioned. It. He also mentioned it that in order to secure Mogadishu, he needs to secure the regions that are surrounding the capital. And these are two regions, the middle Shabele and the lower Shabele. Lower Shabele is the breadbasket of Somalia. It's an area where Al-Shabaab has been operating all along. Al-Shabaab fought very tooth and nail in order to hold on to some parts of that region. It's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of mobilization to remove Al-Shabaab from these two regions that neighbor the capital. But if he succeeds, it will go very far. And these regions also are key to the, um, to the uh, transport of goods, business goods from Mogadishu to the regions. And Al-Shabaab taxes these goods. So he will have killed uh, many birds with one stone if he removes Al-Shabaab from these two regions. Uh, well, Harun, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. My pleasure. Thank you for asking. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Harun Marif. That was great. This is a very timely episode, obviously, with Somali in this moment of political transition. Uh, so I was glad to have him spend some time with me to help me and you understand the implications of this decision by the Biden administration to increase U.S. military involvement in Somalia. And just a disclaimer that the views and opinions expressed in this episode belong solely to those of us who expressed these views and opinions. I will see you next time. Bye.